Ruling all red, prophet, priest, or fod? Next on Polygamy, what love is this? Several months ago, we began a series where we present teachings from the leader of the AUB, the first leader of the AUB polygamy group, uh, Rulin Allred. His teachings and preachings have been published in a book entitled Treasures of Knowledge, Selected Discourses and Excerpts from Talks by Rulin C. Allred. Now, members of the Allred polygamy group continue to cling to these teachings, and most of them strive to live accordingly. And we know they believe that the Bible is mistranslated, so can't be fully trusted, so we cannot measure truth by it. But you'll notice we quote through his teachings, Alred does refer to the Bible, and we wonder how he can do that if it's not true. <laughs> they don't trust the Bible they quote from, but it does reveal their heresies. Karen Bradshaw is with us again as co-host to help us understand the Allred Group dogma and how it affected her growing up. Uh, she was born and raised and entered into a polygamous marriage in the Allred Group. So thanks for coming back. Uh, how many You're have welcome. we done here? Is this the sixth or the I seventh or eighth? Or I've, <laughs> I've done, lost track. Sure, I've lost track too. But <laughs> this is part two of this particular sex session of going through some of these teachings. So thanks for coming and, and participating in this. I'm happy to be really here. appreciate it's, it. This is awesome to be able to have this available for people. <laughs> and, to, and to just compare it with what the Bible really does teach and the beauty yeah. of the difference between the deceit, the deceit and the lie and the truth. So we're going to begin with something that Allred preached. We're quoting from page 172. In the majority of instances, if you've got a good husband, he'll not tell you to do something that is wrong. And even if you may think it is wrong, you should still do it, if it is not a matter of principle. When it conflicts with principle, then we have the right to go to the Lord and know for ourselves whether it does conflict or not. The Lord has given us several keys to help us determine this principle. Now, when a prophet tells you, to do something. You should do it without question, unless it's a matter of principle, and you'll think it, he is wrong. Then you have the right to learn for yourself by the Spirit of God in fasting and prayer where it is wrong. Oh boy. <laughs> um, again, the woman-man thing here, which we find in all of Mormonism, how powerful the husband is and the woman isn't. Uh, said, he said a woman must obey her husband and a member must obey their prophet, uh, teaching that if we think that what we're going to do is wrong, then we have the right to go to the Lord and find out. But he's upside down on this because genuine believers always have instant access to God about anything and everything all the time. In fact, we should always go to God right. first. <laughs> now, remember, the New Testament teaches there's no one that rightfully mediates between God and us except Jesus. He alone is our mediator, not our husband, not a, a, somebody they call a prophet. Women can know from the Bible what's right and wrong. She doesn't need a husband or a prophet to mediate for her. <laughs> and although fasting and prayer, if done biblically, has its place in the Christian life, it doesn't require fasting and prayer to know right from wrong. In this sermon, as with others, their prophet, Rulin Allred, led his people far astray. Our next quote 
is very disturbing. There are certain things, for instance, the holy endowment that is given to you, and you are under a covenant to keep it secret. These are things that you must keep, that you have to be trusted in. You have to prove to God that you can keep a secret. But the gospel, we are commanded to give up freely. <laughs> so confusing. And of course, <laughs> you took those secret oaths in your temple, AUB Temple Endowment. Oh, we didn't yes. in the Kingston group. We didn't have those oaths. And they were frightening. Uh-huh. They I imagine they me would. With fear for the whole time. Well, I was if, you, there. if you tell the secrets, you're subject to be killed, blood atoned. Yeah, 26 years mm -hmm. I was trapped because mm -hmm. of them. Mm -hmm. Well, it's another dogma of polygamy groups and the LDS too, because they're in covenant to keep certain things secret from others. It's forbidden for them to discuss their Mormon temple rituals and endowments and, and endowments uh, to talk about them outside of the walls of their temple. Up until the early 1990s, the oaths of the temple ceremony included blood atonement, that's death, for the one who revealed those secrets. Mm -hmm. He said they are under covenant to keep it. I think it's interesting that he said God needs to know if you can keep a secret. Well, he already knows if he can or not. We don't have to do anything to prove and something to God. Most of us can't because we're <laughs> sinners. <laughs> Except for the Mormons very, very well keep their secrets of the temple rituals. So do the polygamists. Oh, yeah, we they did. They do keep those we secrets. We were good at that. <laughs> now, of course, we always appeal to God's word found in the Bible to refute their false teaching. So we start with Mark chapter 4. So, but I say to you... Mark 4, verse 22... Oh, sorry. Okay. For nothing is hidden except to be made manifest, nor is anything s secret except to come to light. If anyone has ear, let him hear. Jesus answered, or this is John eighteen twenty. Jesus answered him, I have spoken openly to the world. I have always taught in synagogues and in the temple where all the Jews come together. I have said nothing in secret. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> Now, if That's you're in Mormonism awesome. and you have ears to hear, please pay attention to what God has told us. Everything that people want to be kept secret, Jesus himself said this, really isn't secret and will be exposed at some point in time. These prophets and teachers of Mormonism tell the people they should live as Jesus lived. But John chapter 18, Jesus himself said he spoke nothing in secret. So why should you? We have another quote from Ephesians 5. Take no part in the in unfruitful works of darkness, but instead expose them. For it is shameful even to speak of the things that they do in secret. Now the secret teachings and rituals and doctrines are supposed to be exposed. People say, oh, we're not supposed to say bad things about other religions and other people. The, the Bible tells us to. And about our leaders. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. The Bible tells us to. It's mm -hmm. shameful. To have conversations about the secret and unfruitful works of darkness and, and try to keep them secret. God calls it shameful. So why are they still doing it? Of course, they don't know these scriptures, I'm sure. Now, about no. taking oaths and making secret covenants, Jesus said this in Matthew chapter 5. But I say to you, do not take an oath at all, either by heaven, for it is the throne of God, or by the earth, for it is the footstool, or by Jerusalem, for it is the city of the great king. And do not take an oath by your head, for you cannot make one hair white or black. Let what you say be simple. 
simply yes or no. Anything more than this comes from evil. But uh, James 5.12 says, But above all, my brothers, do not swear, either by heaven or by the earth, or by any other oath. But let your yes be yes, and your no be no, so that you may be not fall under condemnation. Now, both of these says that if you take the oaths, it's from evil or condemnation. And yet they do it. Yeah. Forbidding oaths and secrets comes straight from the mouth of our Savior. So why does Mormonism claim Jesus as Savior, but they don't believe most of what he said? Who is not being the truth teller here, Jesus or Mormonism? Now, we move forward through all read sermons. Of course, we don't and cannot cover everything he said. We're picking and choosing through the book. But our next quote is from pages 184, 185. Oh, section of the DNC? In the 132nd section. The Lord tells us that this new and everlasting covenant that he has given, which will be binding for time and all eternity, wherein a man may live in the fullness of celestial glory, was given to the saints in these latter days, and that those who would abide all of its, its oaths, bonds, conditions, etc., should be saved in the fullness of celestial glory. I do not know that the word of I God do know or I do know that the <laughs> word of God, excuse me, that the word of God is binding upon you and me. And if we want to be blessed or the blessing of the fullness of celestial glory, we are going to have to abide the conditions of the law. We are going to have to become a much better people than we are. I don't know how many of us are going to be worthy of the blessings and of celestial glory. But we can never hope to abide its blessed condition until we can abide the conditions of the law. Notice how law is in there. The law, the law, the obedience. Yeah, the burden that it puts on us. This is such a false gospel. It breaks our hearts. There's so many people in Mormon and polygamy are led astray into an eternity without Jesus. An eternity without heaven. The only new and everlasting covenant in existence is Jesus Christ dying on the cross for our sins. There is no other covenant humans are required to enter into. It's Jesus Christ and Him crucified. We already discussed the biblical treatment of taking oaths and bonds and covenants, yet that's exactly what Latter-day Mormonism is all about. But the covenant taking is rejected by God, and Jesus has fulfilled all the law on our behalf. None of the covenants that are taken in Mormon temples or polygamous rituals are binding anyway. God does not accept or hold you accountable for something He doesn't require. Now, that includes plural marriage covenants. He doesn't accept those covenants because He doesn't accept plural marriage. Keeping laws and commandments are the ways of human religions, but God's grace is the highest law of all laws, and eternal life is a gift of God through His grace. And law-keeping to earn eternal life is eliminated. Mormonism leads people to the law and away from God's grace. Read Romans chapter 6, verse 23. For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Notice (laughs) the word gift 
And even before the word gift is the word free. Who buys a gift? You know, if I gave you a birthday mm -hmm. gift and then sent you a bill for it, is that really a gift? No. <laughs> if I bought you a gift and, and I said, okay, I have a gift for your birthday here, Karen, but before I give it to you, you have to do this, 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 and this. Is that really a gift? No. You're trying to earn it or pay for it. Mm -hmm. But Romans 6.23 says, a free gift. Eternal life is a free gift of God through Jesus Christ our Lord. Not through works, not through law, not through Mormonism, not through polygamy, not through the new and everlasting covenant. Praise God. Uh, yeah, it's just so lovely. And, 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 and as Jesus said, all you who are burdened, I will give you rest. Well, the burden he's talking about is the laws and the rituals and the commandments of men. Because God doesn't have any for heaven. Jesus came to rescue us from eternal death and to reveal the free gift of eternal life, which is only in Him, through Him, because of, and by Jesus Christ. Now, the word uh, gift in the Greek Biblical Dictionary is the word charisma, and defined mm -hmm. as gratuity, deliverance from danger, miraculous free gift. That's the definition. So, yeah, I love that. Uh, Law-keeping and oaths and covenants and polygamy cannot be a prerequisite to a free gift, as already preached. And please don't say, this is our interpretation, or that the Bible is misleading. Allred quoted the Bible all through his sermon, so if he can do that and you accept it, it's just as valid when we quote it. Mm -hmm. Eternal life is a free gift for those who will enter the narrow way and come to Jesus his way. Not Joseph Smith's way or Allred's way or Paul Kingston's way. It's got to be God's way. It's his heaven, and he gets to say how we get there. And his way hasn't changed, because God himself doesn't change. Romans 2.23. You who boast in the law dishonor God by breaking the law. And Romans 3.20.22. For by works of the law, no human being will be justified in his sight. Since through the law comes knowledge of sin, the righteousness of God through faith but now the righteousness of God has been manifest apart from the law, although the law and the prophets bear witness to it. The righteousness of God through faith is or in Jesus Christ for all who believe. So genuine believers will receive the, the announcement or the proclamation of being righteous through faith in Jesus Christ. His perfections mm. are transferred to the believer. <laughs> God, by so grace, wonderful. not by works. I'm so happy. <laughs> Attempts at law-keeping will only condemn the person because no one can keep all the law all the time. But Jesus did. The perfect righteousness that God accepts comes only through faith in Jesus. It's not through the keeping the law from oaths and rituals. Jesus is the Savior, not our works, and certainly not polygamy. Our next quote is also disturbing and has some very negative results in all the Mormon polygamy groups. It is true that we have much more light and knowledge and skilled physicians, doctors among us, to heal ourselves. And it is in God's wisdom that we should do everything we can for ourselves first. But we ought not to turn to surgery or trust our bodies or our lives in the hands of others who are not our friends and minister 
to us or to operate upon us before we have turned to God and said, and said, having done all we could. Father, we have done everything we could. We do not want to turn ourselves over to the hands of a surgeon or someone we do not know who may be our enemy. This is the divining, dividing line. In the Doctrine of Covenants, Lord says, If there be sick among you, you shall minister unto them with a mild herb and wait upon them according to the light and truth that is in your you as a, as saints and this not by the hand of an enemy and he that hath faith to be healed shall be healed now hmm. we wonder why shouldn't they trust doctors and surgeons who they don't know i have to ask where's their faith <laughs> because can they trust god to lead them and guide them into proper medical care or proper proper medical person Medical science and medical technology and medications is a gift from God himself. The Bible tells us that all wisdom and knowledge is in Jesus. The whole Mormon attitude is the statement he made, Father, we've done everything we could. Book of Mormon says we're saved after all we can do. It's bound up in human effort. Their faith turns to God only when everything else they could possibly do has been done. Mm-hmm. But that's anti-Bible. That's not what the Bible teaches. We quote from chapter 9, Matthew nine thirty-six. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion for them because they were uh, harassed and helpless, like sheep without a shepherd. It's the helpless who call upon the mm-hmm. Lord that he shows compassion. The Bible does not say that God helps them who helps themselves. Those who think they can help themselves don't need God. And because of these heresies, not to seek proper medical attention from trained and professional physicians, the polygamy groups have not allowed their members to get the help they need. And many have died as a result. I know people who have died as a result of lack of medical Mm -hmm. care. Or they lived in pain and bad health when they could have been treated. God cares for people, as that last scripture is, has compassion on the helpless. He doesn't condone neglecting health issues. Our next quote is a bit on the ridiculous slash humorous side. Yeah, it is. <laughs> we are like water running downhill, downhill here. It cannot, in a stream, rise above the place that it is. It flows along. It may sink lower but it does not rise above it. We generally seek our own level and an area that makes things that are around us either equal to or below us. And so it is with animals. They seek associations that are like themselves. And when they kill one another or are vicious, they are relegated in the resurrection to associate with animals that have that same kind of characteristic. But they cannot be judged with the same, um, sorry, with the same decree of punishment that human beings are, because they don't have the same degree degree of intelligence. This principle applies to all nature. It applies in every kingdom among the animals, as well as in human beings. Wow. Oh no, this is all it's really crazy. just nonsense. You know, <laughs> and it's hardly worth. <laughs> with the exception of the fact that the polygamists really go far out in some of the things that they teach. And it sounds like he, they appropriated some stuff from Orson Pratt. 
who actually believe that the vegetables and even the earth has eternal spirits. Mm-hmm. But animals going before the judgment seat of God and being sent to punishment, animals being resurrected, I mean, that none of that is anywhere in all of the Bible. It just isn't there. Such a waste of time to bother teaching stuff that has nothing to do with Jesus and succeeds in taking their focus off Jesus' true saving grace to humans and the gift of faith in him. So, that, enough said for that. We're going to go to page 194 and quote what he said there. There are two major sins that you cannot be forgiven for. Now, this, this is... Yeah, this is hard for me to deal with, for sure. Shedding innocent blood and sexual sin, the depriving your bodies of the natural chastity that God gave you in the flesh. These sins can be in a category that cannot be forgiven. That does not mean that in due time you can't pay the price and live and come forth in the resurrection through the atonement of Christ. It means that you have placed an eternal dam or block to your progression beyond which you cannot pass or can never pass. For instance, if you were to commit adultery, the word of God is that those who commit adultery cannot enter into the celestial glory. Now, God may forgive a man of his sins, of his sin to this extent, but it doesn't mean that God could blot out that sin forever. Really? <laughs> horrible reflection oh. on God's grace. Mm-hmm. And opposite, again, anti-Bible, it totally opposes that God will blot out our sins forever. And that word <laughs> yes. is used, too. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's totally a, a sad reflection on God's promises and on the power of Jesus' redemption. What all Red said here is totally unbiblical, and we'll show you, and we're going to show you, of course, what God does have to say about all Red's heretical teachings, which corrupt God's very nature and character. God is good. God forgives and then forgets Amen. our sins. Amen. And Jesus died for all the sins of the genuine Christian. Jesus himself said there's only one unforgivable sin, and it's neither of the two that all Red mentioned. In Jesus, there's hope. In polygamy doctrine, there isn't any hope. We quote the verses from which we get our information. The first one is in Matthew 12. God is good. Mm-hmm. No. Oh, sorry. Matthew 12, 31. Okay. Um, Therefore, I tell you, every sin and blasphemy will be forgiven people, but the blasphemy against the Spirit will not be forgiven. Okay. Now, every sin, it says, except one. Not what all read said. Notice that killing and adultery is not mentioned by Jesus as being unforgivable. Next, Jesus forgave those who crucified him. Luke 23. And Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Now, surely you would think, in, in human thinking, that crucifying God in the flesh, crucifying the perfect Jesus would be a sin that of all the other sins would be unforgivable. Mm -hmm. But it was forgivable. Jesus said so, and Jesus forgave them. Next is 1 John. crazy. If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Wow, isn't that sweet? Mm -hmm. He cleanses us from all unrighteousness. That's a cleansing, a divine cleansing that can't be changed. Confessing our sinfulness and unworthiness to God with a truly repentant heart, God will cleanse us from all 
unrighteousness. Of course, this is only for genuine believers, which means that we are forgiven of all sin. So I asked the question, what does the word all mean? What does it mean? It means all. It means, uh, yeah. <laughs> Every, everyone. God is faithful and he doesn't renege on his promises. The next one is a lovely verse we get from Isaiah. Isaiah 55, 6 and 7. Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake his way and the unrighteous man his thoughts. Let him return to the Lord that he may have compassion on him. And to our God, for he will abundantly pardon. He will abundantly pardon. <laughs> pardon means to wipe away the, the offense. Just makes you so happy to hear these things. Yes. And it gives you so much hope if you just trust God and forget all those things these men are teaching you. God will abundantly pardon those who come to him. Repentance means to turn, to forsake your way and go God's way. If God could forgive only certain sins, what hope would any of us have? And we all need hope. We wouldn't have any hope. Jesus alone is our hope. He is our Savior who died to pay for all our sins. And finally, we find it interesting that all red taught adultery is unforgivable, yet their doctrine and their eternal life is built on the foundation of religiously authorized adultery. Mm -hmm. God gave monogamy, <laughs> not polygamy. And God commanded that two make a marriage, not three or four or more. Oh, Faith awesome. is in God, not in Mormonism or polygamy. Praise God. Yes, and we both, from God. polygamy groups, we both discovered God's grace and His forgiveness. Hallelujah. Amen. <laughs> so thanks, Karen. Again, thanks. appreciate your participating yes. in this presentation. I love doing it. You know, God sent his word first to the Jews, and they rejected it. So he turned it over to the Gentiles. Acts 13.46 tells us that Paul warned the Jews that by rejecting God's word, they were judging themselves unworthy of eternal life. This is true through the ages with all people, and sadly, Mormonism rejects God's word. They're not worthy of eternal life. They replace it with the words of man claiming to be God's word, but instead contradicts it. If you want to please God, it isn't through polygamy. It's simply by believing God's testimony, which is in the Bible alone. Mormons expect people to believe their testimony that Joseph Smith was a true prophet, but they won't listen to God's testimony with all kinds of evidence that Joseph Smith was a false prophet. Jesus said, believe in God, believe also in me. There's no room there for Joseph Smith or for polygamy. Thank you for watching. This has been the audio podcast of Polygamy, What Love Is This? with host Doris Hansen. Polygamy, What Love Is This? is produced by A Shield and Refuge Ministry. More information on this program, including the video version of it, can be found at whatloveisthis.tv. If you have any questions or need help getting free from Mormon fundamentalism, write us at contact at shieldandrefuge.org or call us at 1-800-877-425-9993.